Thank you for your warm applause. This, I may not be worth it, but thank you. <laughs> Please find a seat. Can I say it's a real honour uh, to be here today. We used to hold Youth for Christ rallies here for many years and pack out this place once a month. And it's good to be back in this auditorium and hearing the good work you at Equippers are doing, which is very special. Uh, before I get into my message, I just want to tell you I bought some things uh, to, for sale. These are dad cards. Uh, they're one of the best things we ever did. They're very, very clever cards for a dad to take as a pack. Uh, Father's blessing and describes it on the back. They're only $15 and they're very, very worthwhile. We get so many uh, good um, responses from those and they fit in your pocket. Uh, then the book Fathers Who Dare Win, um, just inspiring dads uh, to be a good dad. Uh, ladies, if your husband isn't a good reader, buy this. Read it to him in bed. He will listen because he'll think he'll get rewarded. All right. And then we, we did the Growing Great Girls and Growing Great Boys. These books are very, very practical. They're now in nine languages around the world but they're just practical ideas, no heavy theory, just inspiration. Often at airports, I'll get a young person come up to me and say, uh, I'm a growing great girls book. Uh, my parents brought me up on it. So it's really, really nice. So, so they're available um, for sale here today. I wanna to talk today on fathers, obviously, because it's Father's Day. And I just looked up a bit of research that came out of Christianity Day in America that um, on Mother's Day, mother's sermons are always encouraging how lovely mum is that. But a lot of dads stay away from church on Father's Day because they're always getting belted around the ears about being a better dad. I'm not doing that today, all right? Uh, and I want to inspire you. I love telling this story in Australia. A sports bus uh, of uh, rugby league players had just won a great match and was traveling home and tragically it went over a cliff and everyone was killed except the kangaroo mascot and the police couldn't work out how it could happen experienced driver brand new bus beautiful night how could a tragedy like this happen and they had no ideas and an expat kiwi who's a cop over there said you know we come from New Zealand, I come from New Zealand. we've got to think outside the square there's an Aborigine gentleman down the road. He's a kangaroo whisperer. Let's get him and the kangaroo together. And the other is going, nah. He said, let's give it a go. So he got the kangaroo gentleman in, gave him a cup of tea and explained what he wanted. And then they brought in the kangaroo in a cage and the Aboriginal gentleman looked at the kangaroo and he began to hum quietly. And somehow he got across to the kangaroo. What were the players doing just before the crash? And the kangaroo goes, and then he hums again and looks at the kangaroo and he gets across somehow. What was the coach doing? The old man walking up, talking to him before the crash. And the kangaroo goes. And then he hums just a little bit longer and he looks at the kangaroo and he gets across the kangaroo. What were you doing? And the kangaroo goes. <laughs> now I want you never to forget that joke. Because I want to ask you, who's driving your family bus? Is it the media? Is it someone else's opinion? Or is it you as the Father and God as your Heavenly Father? Because that's what it's designed for. 
You see, fathers are so important. In fact, what fascinates me, I love the Bible. I read it every day and I read it through in a year. And what fascinates me, the last verse of the Old Testament. Now God is the greatest communicator in the world and the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. The last thing you say in communication should be very, very powerful. And this is the last verse of the Old Testament. But also look ahead, I'm sending Elijah the prophet to clear the way for the big day of God, the decisive judgment day. He will convince fathers to look after their children and children to look up to their fathers. If they refuse, I will come and put the land under a curse. In other words, God's saying, in the end, the most important thing to me is family. Do you understand that? In the end, the most important thing to me is family. So as a father, you have a great, great privilege and you have a great responsibility. You see, the church is not responsible for the spiritual development of your children. You are. And the church is there to help you. You see, if there's anything wrong with your family, God looks at the father first. In other words, the buck ends with dad. If there's anything wrong with the marriage, God looks at the husband first. Now, this is not meaning that dad should be parentis, sergeant, major kiss, or anything like that. It means that that's the way God designed it. A husband and a wife work together as a team. They make decisions together, but the buck ends with the man. And we, the church, have got to preach that more because men are so important. Look at New Zealand. It's God's own country, for goodness sake. And we've got so much youth suicide. It's because we are breeding cosmic orphans whose father has never told them about a greater father who loves them. And I wanna speak about that tonight at five o'clock. So let's move on. Where am I going? This way, oops. Dads, very important, Ephesians 6 and 4. Listen to what it says. Fathers, don't exasperate your children by coming down hard on them. Take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. Isn't that beautiful? See, religion has killed so many children's faith. Christianity inspires them. We've got to teach as dads that the God we worship does stuff. He answers prayers. We've got to do that. And that's why when I was working with teenagers, I was determined that I would always start the day with our children round the Bible. And so we got Kenneth Taylor's family children's book and it's still available. And uh, he wrote the, translated the Living Bible. And um, he has a short story from the Bible and he asks three questions. In the feeding of the 5,000, he does, doesn't ask how many fish, how many loaves, who gives the tinkers? He asks, why did Jesus challenge the disciples? He makes kids think. And then we teach our kids to pray and they'll pray that their rugby team wins today. God can handle that. My young son, Johnny, who's now the vicar at St. Paul's here uh, in Simon Street, um, when we were trying to sell a house in Wellington before we moved up here, and it was the first house to sell on the street, and uh, nobody knew the price, and 
It was just a struggle and it went on for three months. And one morning while we're having our family devotions, he said, please God, sell the house by 12 o'clock, amen. <laughs> now Mary and I didn't sit him down and say, now Jonathan, God answers prayers three ways. Yes, no, wait. God can handle a seven-year-old. By the way, the house sold by 11.30, but that's, uh, you know, and it's become a family joke. If you want somebody to pray for you, get Johnny to do it. He'll get an answer. And that's what families are about. Teach your children God does stuff. God cares. God looks after you. He's got a purpose. You know, I, I stuttered all my life, and yet God had a purpose in my stutter. And I dreamed once when I was about nine that I was speaking to a group of people and there was a big crowd and they were up there, not down here. And the other good thing was I wasn't stuttering. And when I shared that with my parents at breakfast, my father who was Scottish, I think he thought, gee, we better not give him the mushrooms for tea again, you know? <laughs> but my mother looked at me and she said, don't you ever forget that dream. Years later when the certain sounds and I were traveling New Zealand, as I walked on towards the microphone at QE2, there were 12,000 young people up there and God remembered the dream in my heart. That's the God who does stuff. God has purposes. He can even use with me your disability. See, he needed to make sure that when I go into a television studio, a radio studio, I don't think I'm gonna be hot today. I gotta to know I'm one syllable away from being in the Guinness Book of Records with the longest talk ever given, right? <laughs> Here we go. Now, giving fatherhood a better name, love your wife. The greatest thing you can do is love your wife. And for a wife to be loved, she has to be listened to. Do you understand that? Mary said to me a while ago that you don't listen to me. So I asked her out, and I put my hands like this at the restaurant and said, you tell me what you want to tell me. And I reckon she went for half an hour without taking a breath, you know? <laughs> but that's what we've got to understand. We're, they're made differently. We are made differently. Uh, then if dads show their wife's disrespect, your son will do the same to his wife. That is a law. I'm the love doctor on Radio Rima, don't laugh, but uh, people send texts, anonymous texts with questions. And I'm amazed how many of those are, I'm going with this guy and he's always getting angry and I'm trying to love him out of it and it's not working. What that girl is really saying is, I wanted to rescue my dad and now I'm trying to rescue this guy. Do you understand that? Your daughter will marry the guy like her father. That seems to be a pattern. I love my daughter. She married an Australian, can't win them all, but he's a, <laughs> but he's a, but he's a brilliant guy. He's a brilliant guy. And she often says to me, I love my husband, dad. He's a strong man. He's just like you and I feel good. <laughs> if a dad verbally or mentally or physically abuses their wife, your daughter will expect the same in their marriage. Isn't that tragic? And that's why, you know, I grew up with a Scottish dad. Uh, if you put wind up his kilt, he put porridge on you. And I learned anger from my dad and I had to learn not to pass that on to my teenage sons. And I had to talk to them about that. 
and I hope I've dealt with it with them. I had to apologize. If husbands treat their wives as useless or in a dominating way, the children will pass that on to future generations. Isn't it wonderful? We dads are important. We influence. We influence. Isn't that fantastic? Now, giving you love your wife, but if dads show wives respect, your son will do the same to his wife. That's a principle. If you honor your wife, your daughter will never be satisfied with a man who won't honor her. She expects that standard. If you cherish your wife as an equal and valuable part of your life, that model will go on for future generations. All these threes are the promises of God and God stands with his promises. Now, I'm not perfect, I failed a lot as a father. In fact, my most common prayer to God sometimes was, dear God, it's me again. I'm in the Winnie the Pooh, not much Winnie. And God can handle prayers, desperate prayers like that. He really wants to be there for you. Now, wives, understand and support your husbands in a way that shows your support for Christ. A husband provides leadership to his wife the way Christ does to the church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. You see, girls want cherishing love from their fathers. Boys want respectful love from their fathers and mothers. You see, your daughter wants to hear from you. You are so beautiful. You've got a great mind. I love you. You're a special girl. Boys want to hear, you've got what it takes, mate. And the Bible talks about that 2,000 years ago. Often smile, the research has just come out from three big universities in America saying this is what sort of love females and males need. Isn't that amazing? God, God said that 2,000 years ago. I wish they'd read their Bibles. <laughs> just, so just as the church submits to Christ as it exercises such leadership, wives should likewise submit to your husband. Now, husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly, exactly as Christ did for the church, a love marked by giving, not getting. God's love makes the church whole. His words invoke her beauty. Everything it does and says is designed to bring out the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a failure, fa a favor, sorry, doing themselves a favor since they are already one in marriage. You see, isn't that beautiful? See, the best test for me as a husband, do people see my wife dressed in that beautiful holiness? Do they see that she is a much loved lady? Isn't it? See, men need challenges. That's why God made women. <laughs> and you marry them because that challenge keeps it vibrant and sparkling and beautiful. Believe me. <laughs> All right, don't expect perfect children. There ain't none. I'm gonna talk about this a bit tonight about why you hear. You see, there may be accidental parents, but there is never an accidental child born into this world. Every child is born into this world with the purposes of God. See, if you've got a stroppy kid who is so difficult, don't crush that assertiveness. Channel it. 
At least when you're old, they'll fight that you get the sunny room and the retirement home. <laughs> but see, in these desperate days, you don't know who that little girl or boy will be. She may be the greatest evangelist this world has ever seen. Who knows? Isn't that awesome? You know, I never thought my Johnny, who was a very successful lawyer in London, would finish up by being the vicar here at St. Paul's. And yet 42% of the Anglicans who attend church in Auckland on Sunday go to his church now. And he's moving in the spirit. Never thought he'd be like that. But God has a plan. God has a wonderful plan and we're gonna follow it because per perfect parents don't exist. All right, we know that, don't we? Every child is uniquely different. God's not boring. Every child's uniquely different. I, I love my daughter when she was little, she said to her mother because she had two A-type boys in between her. And she said to Mary, mum, when I grow up and have children, let my children win some time against the cousins, will you? I look at her now, she's got three boys. Sam, who's 16, is six foot three, and Noah, who's 15, is six foot two, and the other Sebi's head in the same way. Hasn't God got a wonderful sense of humor? These big, stropping boys from this little mum. I wonder if she prayed about that sometime. <laughs> we learn by our mistakes. And that's why the most powerful word a parent can often say to the children is, I'm sorry, I did it wrong. Enjoy your children, enjoy the fun of kids, giggle with them, have fun together. God made fun. See, what is the atmosphere like in your home? Is it a happy atmosphere? You know, do you welcome them? It's so easy, isn't it? When little children come in with dirty hands, they say, oh, look at your filthy hands, go and wash them before dinner. Isn't it better to say, man, how did you get so much dirt? You're better than a bulldozer. <laughs> Do you mind washing them? You know? Be a little bit creative. And listen to your children. Listen to what they're saying. Hear their dreams. Hear their prayers. You know, I've got one uh, grandson. He, when he was little, when he prays, he goes round the world. Man alive, he, he knew everybody could pray for. He thought that you got a medal for the longest prayer. But I didn't interrupt him. He was praying. That was best. Now, if we as fathers and mothers do not understand where we are in our life story, how can we help our children understand where they are in their life story? See, the Maori people have learned this. Ancestors are important. Do your children know about their grandparents? Do they know about your life story? Do they know how you became a Christian? Do, do they know how you met? You know, my kids used to ask me to tell the story how I met my lo lovely Mary. And it was in the days when not many people had cars, but I'd bought a car, an Angular 105E. Uh, it was the last one Ford gave the squirrel that run behind picking up the nuts that fall off. But anyhow, um, <laughs> And a friend and I were running this house party and uh, I wanted to go up to uh, this house party with 800 young people there in my car. And I was at the m m meeting organizing um, monitors for the buses we were hiring and no picker volunteered. And I thought, well, gee, I'm running this camp with me, mate. Why, why should I do extra work? And this voice said to me, if you won't do the little things, 
I won't bless you with the big things. And I took on the monitoring of that bus, one of the buses, and left my car at home. And when we stopped at Levin, there was this beautiful girl with blue eyes who had bought too many fish and chips, and I shared them. Over a cold chip, I found romance. My kids used to love me. Were the chips really cold? I said, that doesn't matter. But anyhow, <laughs> that's kids, isn't it? Now, with each of you, this is the Apostle Paul. Isn't this brilliant? With each of you, we were like a father with his child, holding your hand. Isn't that beautiful? Whispering encouragement, showing you step by step how to live well before God, who called us into his own kingdom, into this delightful life. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Just, just think of this. Whispering encouragement, holding you by the hand. Isn't that awesome? Showing you step by step. There is something about the privilege of seeing your children grow strong spiritually. Jesus said, I am the road, also the truth, also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. You know, research has shown that a lot of children's view of God is what their father's like. Isn't that interesting? And I just often prayed, God, make me like you, that they will know that the God of heaven is a loving father who cares deeply for each one of us in a wonderful, wonderful way. I hope I've challenged you. I hope, dads, as you leave today, you're walking out of here 10 foot tall. And deep in your heart, you know, I'm chosen. God has trusted me with children. And have a dream over their children. Share your life story with them so that they have a life story of their own. And when they get discouraged, encourage them. God's got a purpose. I can say at my age now, that my stutter was the best thing that happened to me because it taught me to rely on God. Taught me to have absolute dependence on Him. Thank you for listening. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for these people. They got out of bed this morning to be here. And I especially pray for dads. I pray you'll encourage them. I pray for the fathers who are parenting on their own, that you'll encourage them and bless them. I pray for fathers that who today think, I want to do it better. I want to love my kids that little bit more. I want to have fun and laughter with them that little bit more. I want to make the Bible come alive. I want to bless them. And I want to thank you, God, for the privilege of making me a father. Hallelujah. We ask it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who said, I'm coming again. And we cry, Lord, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for your time.